There is a method to the madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business for the past 28 years. Something like that. Could be a little bit longer, actually. So, the method to the madness. It's such a perfect title for this podcast, and perfect title for today, because I've been going over more exercise physiology terms in the last couple weeks. I really enjoy that and I hope you do too as well. And um, today there's going to be another one. I'm going to talk about like when to stretch and when not to stretch because it comes up. It comes up especially with like injuries and injury prevention and I know that there's a lot of confusion over that. So that's what today's Method to the Madness is about because there is a method to the madness, meaning like people or true experts aren't just randomly saying, hey, do this, do that. Like there's a reason why we stretch at certain times. There's a reason why we stretch for certain injuries. There's a reason why we don't stretch for certain injuries. So that's today's topic. Before I get into that, I want to thank our sponsors because we have to pay the bills. It's not free for me to put on the podcast, and we don't charge anything, so the sponsors take care of our fees for us. Jonathan and Lynn Gilden are great in the real estate industry. They're absolute grinders. I personally vouch for them. I've had poor agents in the past. I've had good agents. They're great agents. And I think you know when you don't have a good agent, it makes your life a lot tougher when you're trying to sell or buy a home. I will put all their information in the show notes, but Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros, and again, their contact info will be in the notes, so you can simply click and go. All right, so method to the madness on when to stretch, when not to stretch. So again, there's a method to the madness. How often have you heard people say, oh, time to warm up, we got to stretch a little bit. You know, we were told that as kids. I still hear that all the time. When I was working with a um, football team here locally, a semi-pro team, a bunch of good guys, didn't have a lot of resources, didn't have a big budget, so I helped them out with their strength and conditioning. And the topic that came up all the time, they were very coachable, they were fun to work with and everything, so I don't mean to... Um, like make them seem to be complainers and babies but the one area that did come up a lot where they'd say coach we got to stretch before we work out we got to warm up they you know we got to stretch and I'd say guys I know you were taught that all the way through grade school days and then high school football and all that these were guys that were very competitive they played on state championships in high school some of them went off to play college ball some of them uh, lower level pro ball, but these were very good athletes who went through our system and um, It's very typical for the athletes that go through our systems to not have been taught the right way to do things It goes on in every high school in our county of Volusia and probably everywhere And I'm not throwing any stones the bottom line is there's no budget in the schools to really have adequate athletic trainers and or strength conditioning coaches now, a couple schools have brought in some athletic trainers, but for the most part, schools don't have them. And so gym teachers, coaches, and history teachers or whatever are doing the majority of coaching and 
strength and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And they just don't know better. I mean, they're, they're volunteering their time. They're doing the best they can. And they're simply doing what they were told to do growing up. Um, you know, these uh, again, I think it's great that these coaches and some parents want to get involved. I just think there needs to be some more help for them where they can get some professional help so the kids can get the best that they need as far as sports medicine goes. So that was the biggie. You know, we got to warm up by stretching. And I would say, guys, the official definition of warming up is raising your core temperature. Studies show that when your core temperature is raised, you're less likely to pull muscles. So the reality is the best warm-up type exercises is light cardio respiratory exercise, which they absolutely hated. If you know anything about football players, they don't want to run. They don't want to do jumping jacks. They don't want to do those things. And if you don't know that, you haven't spent enough time around them. They do a lot of running on the field. They're fast twitch people, meaning typically explode um, very quick. They don't like to jog. They don't like to do that stuff. They'll do it. Very coachable. They'll do it, but they don't like it. So to actually effectively warm up, I'd say, guys, we got to, you know, run, run four laps around the field, you know, four laps. So, you know, roughly, I don't know, they maybe get in a quarter to a half mile of jogging or whatever, and they hated it. And then after that, we would do what we call some dynamics. So that would be things like jumping jacks and uh, calisthenics, basically the warm up, the core temperature more. And then after about 10 or 15 minutes of effective warm up, then we would do some what they would call stretching. In reality is called static stretching. That's where you hold a stretch for a given period of time, like 20 to 30 seconds, and then go to your next stretch. But it's not until you're effectively warmed up before you should stretch. As a matter of fact, one of the worst times to stretch is when you're cold because that's when your muscles and tendons are cold, like literally cold, not warmed up. So when you stretch them, you're far more likely to pull the muscle or even in worst case scenario, the tendon. So tendons connect your muscles to the bone. So your muscles are always connected to tendons. If you stretch your muscles too far, not warmed up, you're gonna be pulling on that tendon and then pulling on that tendon could create an injury. So the direction we go literally is we warm up, then we do what's called more dynamic warm up, which is the jumping jacks and things. Then we stretch, that is for a group team of say football, whatever, put baseball, any team in there you want. But ideally the best time to stretch is going to be after a workout is over. But of course, when I was dealing with these young men, that's the last thing they wanted to do. They wanted to grab some junk food and head home. But if you have control over yourself, what you do, and you're helping out your kids or whatever, you know, try to encourage them to stretch after their practices and after the workouts, because that's the best time to do it, all right? So when we're talking static stretching, what that really, really means is attempting to elongate the muscle fibers in each muscle belly. You're literally trying to elongate them, because one of the characteristics of skeletal muscle is called elasticity, all right? Elasticity means it can lengthen 
and then slightly hold the lengthened position, which is called plasticity. So what we want is the elasticity to turn into plasticity. So the length of the muscle is slightly longer than it was prior to the session. The problem with most static stretching is it doesn't stay that way for long. So if you're not continually stretching throughout the day, then your muscles are going to shorten back up to where they were. Another thing to fully understand is that it's very genetic as far as our flexibility goes. Some people have longer muscle bellies and shorter tendons. Some people have longer tendons, shorter muscles, and there's a big genetic component which really dictates how flexible you can get. So, you know, I also hear people say, well, you know, he's super, super tight. He can get his hands to the floor if he tried. And that's not true. They might not have the genetics to improve their flexibility that much. So that's, again, a genetic thing. That's a whole other subject. But still, Method to the Madness states we should really know what we're talking about before we talk, right? And too many coaches, trainers who really aren't professionals get out there and, and make broad statements like that that flat out just aren't true. Oh, he just doesn't stretch enough. He can't palm the floor. It's like... That guy's never going to be able to palm the floor. He does not have the genetics to elongate his muscles and tendons that much, nor does he need to. There's, there's no research that states that the greater flexibility in a person leads to less injury. I repeat, there is no research that states that. All right. So speaking of now handling injuries my method to the madness one of the thing that really just gets my goat one of the things that gets my goat is i'll hear people say oh he pulled this muscle he better stretch it out i mean that makes qualified trainers whether they be strength conditioning coaches or athletic trainers or just personal trainers with good um, background and certification and degrees laugh like wait a minute so pulled muscle is literally that. The muscle fibers have been slightly pulled apart, slightly torn. That's what a pulled muscle is. Now, it can be no big deal. Like we've all pulled a hamstring, pulled a quad, pulled a calf, pulled a pec. Pulled muscles happen a lot. Not necessarily a big deal, but make no bones about it. That is a slightly torn muscle, slightly torn muscle fibers. So if you stretch those particular muscle fibers, guess what you're doing? You're pulling them apart even further, which could actually rupture the muscle. I mean, think about it. If you pull on a rubber band, and it's a brand new rubber band, chances are if you don't pull too hard, the elasticity of the rubber band is gonna go back to the plasticity of the form, right? No big deal. But let's say you got one of those dried out rubber bands that have been sitting in the bottom of your car on the floorboard and you know it's, it's dried out you, you pull it a little bit and it snaps right I mean is that really what you want to do with your muscle fibers it's already slightly pulled they're already slightly pulled and then you're gonna pull on them a little further and you want to rupture the muscle so it's the worst thing in the world to do is to stretch a slightly pulled or any kind of pulled muscle and that goes for tendon too too often I hear that, just stretch it out, stretch it out. No, do nothing. If anything, put ice, 
The old rice, rest, ice, compress, and elevate with a pulled muscle or a pulled tendon. Do not stretch it. Once it's become completely healed, then flexibility might be your friend. Might be, it depends on the area. Because sometimes if you have an overly shortened muscle, it was pulled because of the fact it was a little bit too strong, a little bit too shortened, and you were doing a lot of strength training without, any, without adding any extra flexibility training, sometimes. Sometimes it just means you went out too fast, too soon, and too suddenly, and you pulled the muscle, and your body just wasn't used to it. But occasionally, a pulled muscle can come from an overly tight muscle, occasionally. That could happen. If that's the case, then yes, after we get 100% healing, and we know when something is 100% healed, when there's zero discomfort left in it, you don't feel the pull anymore, then is a good time to start working on that flexibility. But normally, muscle pulls come more from muscle imbalances than anything else, meaning you have very strong quads, but weak hamstrings. In my last podcast, I talked about agonist and antagonist. So you might have overly strong quads, but you have weakened hamstrings, you're actually gonna be more likely to pull the quad muscle. So a lot of times those things happen from muscle imbalances, not because of flexibility issues. Another thing that gets my goat is when I hear people say, well, with a knee injury, you gotta stretch it out, you gotta stretch your quads, you gotta stretch this, stretch that. And you can't paint everything with such a broad brush. And I get it that People who are in different industries, you know, I'm talking about clients and patients, aren't going to understand that, nor do they they need to. It's like me trying to understand somebody else's industry. But when I have, or when there's other trainers out there, strength coaches or personal trainers saying, yes, you know, for your knee injury, you need to improve the flexibility of this muscle, which absolutely isn't true and absolutely could be totally counterintuitive for somebody to do. So we don't want to do that. Let me give you some examples. If you have, say, a meniscus tear in your knee, very common, it could come from wear and tear, it can come from a sudden movement, it can come from sports, it can come from a lot of reasons. So the meniscus is the cartilage in between the two joints. So in between on the lateral and medial side, it, you know, when you push your fingers in there a little bit, that's going to be the meniscus area of the cartilage. The knee is very unique. It's got two types of cartilage in it. You have meniscus on both medial and lateral side, and then you have articular cartilage underneath the kneecap. So you have two different kinds. The meniscus is very deep, and again, the injury typically comes from sudden movements, wear and tear, too much too soon, age, things like that, does not come ever from flexibility issues, does not. It is simply this cushioning type material in between the joints that's you can't stretch. I mean, it's just there, it's just tissue. The only thing you can stretch are your tendons and ligaments, and your tendons and ligaments, I'm sorry, your tendons and your muscles, And your tendons and muscles absolutely don't need to be stretched when you have a meniscus tear. So you think, well, what's the big deal? Can it hurt? Yes, because let's say it's a quad, right? Let's say it's a meniscus injury and you think you need to stretch your quads. Well, if you know anything about the quad stretch, 
it's bending your leg back, putting your, your leg into full flexion, bending your leg back and pulling your heel towards your rear end. That is a quad stretch. It could be done standing, it could be done off the floor, but that is the idea. You're flexing the bone all the way back into your glute area if you've got the flexibility. What you're also doing then is totally pulling on the meniscus tissue that if it's already very vulnerable can be completely pulled apart and torn even more. So your flexibility that you're doing, you're thinking to help your knee is actually making it worse. So when could flexibility be a good thing with a knee injury? Well, maybe you have runner's knee, which comes from chondromalacia and underdominant quads. In that case, studies have shown that stretching the hamstring can actually help because it's going to change the gait of how you run. But that's about it when it comes to knee injuries. So there's really no stretching other than maybe some cases of having too tight a quads when it comes down to, again, more chondromalacia issues or runner's knee issues, which deal more with the kneecap and how the quad is related to the kneecap and all that. There has been a little bit on maybe your calves are too tight and your foot strikes the ground weird that helped cause some of this runner's knee and you overly pronate and this and that. But that's it. There's really no other knee injuries that flexibility is really an important thing. Now, there's a big difference between flexibility and range of motion. If you've hurt your knee, trying to improve the range of motion because everything is so fused up you can't bend your knee, that's different. That's just taking your limb, whether it be your elbow, knee, ankle, whatever, through full range of motion. That's different. That has nothing to do with stretching but it's also easier to decipher because range of motion is normal activity. Meaning if you can't bend your knee enough to sit on the toilet, that's a range of motion issue that has nothing to do with flexibility and you have to work on that normal range of motion. All right, so the moral of the story is this, there's a method to the madness and if you have an injury, you're coming back from an injury, talk to a real strength coach, talk to an athletic trainer, talk to a physical therapist, and talk to a massage therapist, and get the real deal on, should I be stretching, should I be strengthening, should I do both, should I just rest? In other words, not every injury is handled the same way. Not every injury is handled because you decided you're gonna work on your flexibility. Not every injury is handled because you're gonna make your body all strong everywhere and take no notice of flexibility. No, every injury is different and you have to talk to a pro because there absolutely is a method to the madness on that. So this came up with a client and it's a great question. He said, you know, I wish you could make a podcast about that. I'm like, sure. Because ultimately that's the purpose behind the podcast if you listen to this. I mean, there's no money in the podcast. There's a little bit of advertising. There's a way to communicate with clients because the 30 to 45 minute sessions that we offer here aren't always long enough, of course, to go over questions they might have and the ideas to be working out during that time. And there's a lot of generalities and questions and concerns that I know we can cover in the podcast. So ask, right? Speaking of healing injuries, chiropractic is another great way to go to talk about these things. Again, chiropractors, 
like me, like people that are physical therapists, like athletic trainers, they have a lot of training. They go to school, they have advanced degrees, and we have one that we refer to, Dr. Dorsey. She's great. She's been doing this for a really, really long time, and that's what you want. You want experience, you want credentials, you want education. She will treat you like a person. She's just not going to take you through and adjust. She's going to make sure she's got your health history and background and everything. And by the way, chiropractors aren't just for back conditions. You know, it's you don't just go because you're injured. That's you know not true. You go because it's great for your overall health, well-being, and all kinds of different prehab type things. So. Give her a shout and like our other sponsors, all of her information will be in the show notes. And again, it is Dr. Doris Antos up at Ormond Beach and she is great. Until next time, be max fit, be max well.